Welcome. My name is Lester S. Duplichan, MD, and welcome to my podcast. I'm an academic physiatrist and division director in physical medicine rehabilitation with a keen interest in over 25 years of experience in musculoskeletal medicine practice. The Woodshed. All right, so we're back in the lab, and I'm very pleased to have a very special guest today, um, a, a very good friend of mine, somebody who I've known for many years. She is the manager of patient therapies for UC Health, for outpatient therapies, and it's Sarah Klein. So Sarah, please say hello to the woodshed. Hello. All Glad right. to be here. Excellent. Excellent. So we're going to have fun today. We're going to we're going to talk a little shop, but we're also going to have some fun with some other questions. So I do this with everybody on the woodshed and it's always funny because we always have a different perspective here. So let's tell the listeners, I want to hear from you. How did we meet? Let's explain to listeners how we became acquainted and how we work together now. Sure. Um, gosh, I think we met 15 years ago now, um, we were both working at a orthopedic private practice group. Um, I was brought onto that practice to help open the physician-owned therapy there. Um, and you were working there with mostly the spine patients, I believe. Um, and we met because um, I was pretty active with going and talking to the physicians when I had problems with a patient or wanted you know, a procedure done. Um, I felt like you were always very willing to hear what the therapists were doing, you know, was really helpful. And when we were asking for things or, you know, sending patients back for additional services, um, I feel like, you know, even when we both, then we both left that practice um, and I went to private practice for a while and so did you. Um, and then we finally kind of, touch base again or found each other back because I needed to have someone to take care of my patients. I think you felt the same way. So um, I just think over the years, we've developed a system or a, a, a good communication structure um, kind of to help maximize therapy and to maximize um, what you were doing with the patients as far as um, procedures. Yeah. So, um, we were both in a private practice. Um, we'll remain nameless, but um, you know, we we both had our heads down. And I remember when they introduced us. I I'm the kind of rehab guy where I love going to the gym, and I think sometimes the therapists <laughs> don't necessarily want me coming in because uh, I usually have questions. But I love going in the gym, and I think I walked in the gym, and this practice had. Uh, a previous uh, hospital-based group that was doing their therapy. And then they decided, you know what, we're going to have our own therapy center. And they kind of brought you in to be like the manager and to help them run their new therapy there. And I can remember, you know, you were just getting like daily just pelted with, see this person right now, see this person, see this person, see this person. So it was, it was uh, chaotic, but it was one of these things where we were putting patients first and trying to see people kind of one-stop shop and all that. But I remember, you know, we clearly identified in each other that we were there trying to communicate to get the patient better. And I, I really appreciated that. 
And um, so, it, you know, we, we found each other later in different lives and different practices and have been using each other ever since. And I'm proud to say um, I, I had some part in bringing you to UC. I, I must have bothered you for a solid year trying to bring you over. And I don't know how how we got how we got you here. But, um, you know, I think the it's, it's amazing what's been what's been done so far. It's amazing how we've grown. It's amazing how we've been able to collaborate and you've been able to collaborate with new departments, both within the system, outside of the system. And you're a lot like me in the sense that I think you've brought a lot of private practice savvy and kind of street knowledge of how to run a practice and how to be good with employees and everything to an academic practice. So, um, so that gets me to my next question. Can you tell us about how you crafted your team? I mean, here you are, you're somebody who, you know, moved over from, you know, a private practice model and you're in academics now, you know, you're in an academic center and, you know, the, the patients are still, you know, the patients are still there. They're coming. You, you can't turn anybody away, you know, uh, academic practice, we get everybody, not just the people who know you by name. So, uh, how's that, how's it been kind of you know, being able to develop and pick your own team and, and bring some of your people with you and then bring in some new people. Um, yeah, it's, it's been good. So it was, it was a little slow going at first. We had a brand new department here at um, the Gardner Neuroscience Institute. And the first day we opened, I think it was just me and some scheduling staff. Um, but, you know, I, we built that into a team just in this location. I think we have um, more than 10 therapists here now um, and multidisciplinary, so speech, OT, and PT. Um, you know, I think being in private practice for almost 20 years before I came to UC Health, you, the therapy field is really pretty, pretty close-knit. I feel pretty small. I think we all sort of know each other in a roundabout way. So that that helped to have a, a pretty large network um, of people that I could reach out to that, you know, promote like, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a therapist. Do you know anybody? Um, also, you know, a long time ago, one of my old, my first bosses told me uh, when I went to my first leadership role in a really small clinic, um, he said, when you look to hire somebody, hire them based on their personality. Uh, you can teach someone clinical skills. So basically you can teach somebody how to treat, but you can't teach somebody how to be enthusiastic, you know, how to be reliable and have a good work ethic and, you know, be compassionate to the patient. So I, that's kind of always stuck with me. And um, that's, kind of the basis of when I bring somebody on, I'm, I'm really hiring that person. Of course, they have to have the degree and some experience, but I'm hiring them based on, are they a good person? Are they a good fit? Um, you know, you're at work most of your day. You're at, you're with your coworkers really more than you are with your family most of the time. So if um, that, that work family can be a close-knit family that really works well together, you know, takes care of each other outside of work, really cares about each other. It makes like the work atmosphere a, a good place to be. And it really helps with retaining staff as well. Yeah, I've always really appreciated how 
you know, a, a lot of places they say, oh, here's the therapist and here's the aide or here's the support staff. And I've always appreciated with your teams that you guys are really a team and the patients come back to me and they're like, I say, who's your therapist? Who are you working with? And they say, well, uh, I'm working with Ryan. I'm working with Becca. I'm working with this person. Um, but they don't say, oh, this is the aide. This is the you kind of free people up in a sense that it's not about labels. It's about, you know, allowing people to do things and to help the patient, which I think uh, gets rid of a lot of the kind of hierarchy that you see in a lot of places. Um, I can remember uh, interviewing some place where all the different people like wore different colored coats so you could know who the resident was and who the attending was and all the rest of that. But you've always been, you know, very professional, but also very informal and letting every team member kind of be that important with the patient. Because as you know, we can't do everything and, and we're not supposed to do everything. We're supposed to, you know, sometimes be the quarterback, but not necessarily have to do everything. So I think that's something that you brought in that's a breath of fresh air, you know, kind of from the private practice. And you probably brought that to your private practice. But um, I've really appreciated that, that the patients really appreciate that the whole team is seeing them. And it's not just, oh, I'm seeing the therapist and then some other person. So I don't know where you got that yeah. from. Yeah, uh, I don't know either. Probably just ingrained in really good coworkers. Um, you know, originally. And, you know, I feel like throughout all of our therapy departments here at UC Health that um, they work that way or in a similar way. Um, and it, maybe it's just the nature of therapy itself. I mean, we're all pretty laid back for the most part. The atmosphere is kind of not individual office spaces. It's usually done in an open gym, which helps create more, um, you know, friendly sort of even the patients like get to know each other and start having conversations so it's kind of more of a social atmosphere to begin with so i think that helps and we were all talking about how you know covid affected our practices and how things got slow and everything else but one of the things that covid did was it it forced us to use telemedicine a whole lot better not just with speaking with the patients but also communicating together can you talk a little bit about how uh, you've been able to uh, communicate with your providers, but also communicate uh, with, you know, uh, kind of in conference with all of your providers at different locations and be able to collaborate with providers at UC Health. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think prior to all these teams meetings, which I don't think I've was ever on a Teams meeting before COVID. Um, everyone thought we always had to meet in person. Now now that people are more comfortable with that, it's, it's a lot easier to set up patient care huddles um, and just, I feel like it's a, we're more disjointed where we weren't meeting, but it's like we're more collaborative more often because it's it doesn't matter where you're at. And if you have 10 minutes to like touch base, you can. Um, so, you know, you and I have helped set up the patient care huddle that we do weekly for physical medicine and therapy. Um, that's been incredible. The, like all of the patients that we've told that we do this with are just so happy about it. 
um, we've grown that, you know, into where every single therapy department now joins um, to present, you know, just difficult cases or things that they potentially they it's imperative to get the patient in sooner. So that's really helpful. Um, and then um, uh, we do the same thing within our neurology department as well. Um, and then I we try to kind of get on board with some of the quarterly meetings with other departments just so we can touch base and see what they're doing that's maybe new um, or meet any of the new staff and vice versa. Um, and, you know, prior to the past year or so, I don't I don't know how much that was happening, but I think it's it's super helpful. Just for example, a month ago, I met with um, the supervisors and managers of the primary care practices. And a lot of them, I think, didn't realize that we had a therapy here. Some did, some didn't. So just, it's, it surprised me when I went from private practice to the, the academic hospital system, really how it's not that much different. So in private practice, as you know, we would have to do a lot of marketing. We would go out and meet, you know, different medical professionals to try to co-refer. Um, I feel like it's the same. And uh, here it's all about uh, developing those relationships and having those open lines of communication. Right. And I think COVID and, you know, using telemedicine has now allowed us to be more intentional about our communication. And, and one of the things I like about our Wednesday morning or rather Wednesday noontime kind of huddles is that we're forced to actually meet. And in doing so, sometimes we bring up cases, sometimes you guys bring up cases, but I think being able to talk about the patient as they're going through treatment rather than at the end of treatment and then putting our hands up and saying, gosh, this person didn't get better. What do we do now? Um, I think the patients really appreciate that communication and we all get a better idea of what we're doing and what our part is. So it's been very helpful for me as a provider to hear back from you guys and to hear, well, hey, uh, for example, this person's doing great with their neck, but now they've got a back problem or we want you guys to take a look at the shoulder because initially we thought, and I can think of a particular patient where I think we sent, I sent the patient to you for a shoulder their shoulder started feeling better, but you said, I think there's something ridiculous going on. And sure enough, you know, we evaluated her, got an MRI and she had, you know, this large disc herniation and ridiculous pain. And, you know, we were able to jump on it right away rather than having this person go home, call, you know, a phone number and then maybe have to see somebody, you know, a month later. So, um, and only is, I mean, we're, we're definitely benefiting from it, but I think the patients are benefiting and that's the really important thing. And, you know, when we started this, the thought was, gosh, we're giving up this time, you know, this is my sacred lunchtime, but I think people are starting to realize, Hey, this is, this is very important. And it makes up for a lot of time down the road. It saves us from a lot of phone calls and a lot of misery and everything else. So, um, we're, I hope we're not stopping that anytime soon. I think it's been great. No, no, it's been great. And it's been great for the therapist also the, you know, really feel like they're heard. And um, I think they really appreciate, you know, you guys taking out that little bit of time just to collaborate. It's, it's really about putting the patients first. 
Great. So I want you to take a, a deep breath and relax because we're going to have one of our first little uh, breaks here. And so this is called Fast Five. All right. Okay. Fast Five. So the music is queuing in right now. So Fast Five for you today, I want you to pick your favorite out of the two choices of everything. And I know you're a very fit, healthy, exercising person. You like to get out and get around. And every time I see, you know, you've got pictures of you, you know, hiking someplace or climbing some rock somewhere. So here's choice number one. Okay, you've got to pick your favorite. Hike or bike? Hike. All right. Number two. Kayak or canoe? Kayak. Okay. Here's a tough one. Ski or snowboard? Uh, ski. You gotta pick one. I'm, <laughs> ski. I've never <laughs> snowboarded. <laughs> okay. All right. Wakeboard or surf? Wakeboard. I don't Have think you ever I've done ever surfing? Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Have you done wakeboarding? No, not really. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. I've done I didn't both. Grow up in California. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of wakeboarding in the in the you know in the Midwest in the lakes and stuff like that. Yeah, so. I've I've skied. I've water skied. Yeah. Okay. All right. Last one, which may or may not be easy: basketball or golf. Basketball. Okay. We have played <laughs> golf before. I have. I'm horrible at it. Oh, okay. Do you remember that time we played golf in an hour? Yes. Okay. Do you know what's funny about it? What do you remember about it? That you were really good and you were trying to correct my swing? No, no, no. I wasn't that good. I wasn't that good. Here's what I remember about it. I don't know if you remember, but we we brought Dr. Gearman. Oh, yeah. And he was like a resident at the time, so I hope he doesn't get in trouble because he was on my rotation. And we, we took him golfing with us, right? Right. And he was dressed like a little schoolboy or something. He didn't even have like golf shoes or anything. He was like had Oxford shoes and stuff like that. No golf shoes. So he gets out there with us. I'll never forget this. And he says, man, I've never golfed before. You know, uh, I think I'm just, you know, I've, had, I've got a shoulder problem. So I don't think I'm really going to swing. I don't think I'm going to tee off. So I said, OK, you can just walk with us, right? So we're playing, we're having fun, and then suddenly he says, well, I think what I want to do, I think maybe short of the green, I want to start like hitting a ball onto the green and then putting. So then by like the third hole, he wants to really play. So I'll never forget this. We get on the green and we're like marking our balls on the green, right? And so I like had a quarter or something and you had something else. I look down. And there's like a piece of pocket lint on the ground. I'm like, what is that? He goes, oh, that's my marker. <laughs> I hope Jeremy's not listening right now. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to mark your ball with pocket lint? <laughs> but the funny thing is, I had to leave like at the 14th hole. And so I said, hey, man, I got to cut out. You know, we're in the same part. He goes, do you mind if I stay? I want to stay for the rest of the golf. And I was like, cool, just take me to my car. So I don't know if he went back to golfing or anything. But I mean, I felt bad because his, his, his shoes kind of got ruined because they got all, you know, wet with Money. and everything. But um, yeah, that was fun. But that was just remembering him using lint as a ball mark. That was it was worth the price of admission. <laughs> All right, great. <laughs>
All right, so we're gonna go back to a few other questions. Um, so I wanna give you an opportunity to talk about anything new or unique or groundbreaking in your practice now in 2022. I know there's some things that, you know, kind of presented to us at Grand Rounds and some of the things that you're doing, you know, in the clinic now. Um, you know, what are some of your specialty areas that patients seek you guys out for consultation? Sure. Um, I feel like we have a lot of really great programs. One of our newer programs um, is uh, facial nerve rehabilitation for um, post-facial reanimation surgery that one of our plastic surgeons, well, two of our plastic surgeons do here now. Um, prior to last year, all of those patients had to pay cash to go online for like, a, there was a one therapist in the country that did that. Uh, so one of our occupational therapists, Colton, took on the program, wrote the protocols, and has been really successful in building this new facial nerve rehabilitation program. Uh, another thing that's actually, ju we just rolled out, um, we've been doing some wound care in inpatient with a non-contact um, ultrasound called MIST, and we're now offering that in outpatient and our physical therapists are doing the procedure and we're the only um, facility, I think in Ohio, at least in the tri-state that even offers that. So that's pretty exciting and new. And it's really beneficial for those wound patients. Um, we, we offer at all of our locations and I would say now 75% of our physical and occupational therapists can do dry needling. Um, we also are doing blood flow restriction therapy at um, two of our locations now, and that's a procedure. It's kind of like a cuff that cuts off some of your blood supply, and it really helps build muscle faster. Um, and then just more recently, now that we have Dr. Clark on board with physical medicine, we're developing a bridge program for the patients um, with the developmental disability transferring over from pediatric to adult rehab. So we have um, at least two therapists, a, a PT and OT at each location that are specializing in that population. And that's really exciting and really needed. Um, you know, we offer lymphedema therapy. Um, we have a growing team of pelvic floor therapists. Uh, we do aquatic therapy. Um, and then we have a lot of specialized clinics for um, different diagnoses, such as ALS, Parkinson's. We have a new Huntington's clinic. Um, so it's, it's really, our practice is really diverse. We see, we also see a lot of musculoskeletal pain, back pain. Um, it's the whole gamut, which is really exciting. And, um, you know, it, it's great to have all these really skilled clinicians in all these different, vastly different areas. It was really cool last week to have uh, one of your providers actually shadow us while we were in the spine uh, procedure clinic um, last week. So um, I think that's important for the therapists and for the patients, you know, to be able to tell the patient, hey, you know, I've seen these procedures. They're, you know, uh, they're very easy. They're done under local anesthesia. You're able to walk in, walk out. And I know what you're going to go through next week and I'm going to see you you know, two days later, and we're going to hopefully have less pain in that leg and be able to range you more and everything else. Uh, uh, I think very often the patient, you know, 
likes to hear that we're all in collaboration. And that's something that's really, I'm really proud of that we're doing now is that not just in the UCGNI location, but all the locations uh, are now buying in and, you know, physicians are now, you know, collaborating and we're using whatever technology we can have, but I think we're really being intentional about it and the patients are, are really enjoying it and really taking advantage of it. So we got our, our last break here. So a little bit of different music going on, but this is one that's probably near and dear to your heart. And I know what you don't want me to ask you about, but I got to ask you about this. Now, you did play college basketball, correct? I did. Yes. I did. I, I played at Bowling Green, BGSU. And I never asked you this question. What was your position? Uh, forward. Forward. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't, um, I wasn't strong, quite, quite strong enough to be in the center. So I, I played more facing the basket. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Yeah, like a four. If you know those yeah. positions, I was a four. Yeah. Yeah. And you're coaching now, right? You do some coaching? So I do. I, I, when I first moved here back in 2000, I um, coached as an assistant varsity coach for a few years. I coached some AAU basketball. Um, then when I got married and had kids, I coached um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, starting when she was, I think, in third grade um, through when she went to junior high and then I started coaching my younger daughter up until just this past year. So I've been coaching for a, a while. It's, it's, it's fun, especially yeah. I, I don't play myself much anymore, but yeah, I think some of my best time was coaching fifth grade basketball, fifth grade, sixth grade basketball here, you know, not too long ago when my kids were doing it. And I mean, uh, it's, it's great. Sometimes it's, Sometimes it's, you know, you're coaching the kids and sometimes you're coaching the parents, you know, <laughs> so it's kind right. of funny. I'll, I'll never forget one of my parents uh, got thrown out of the game uh, <laughs> right behind me for, you know, on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so, right. You know, right. They were I, fifth grade, fifth grade, you know, basketball. So it can right. get intense. So, right. here, here, so we're at Mount Rushmore and, and with the Mount Rushmore, it's your top four. So I got to ask you this top four all-time female basketball players <laughs> female ba- how about female athletes <laughs> Fem- no female basketball players oh man um because i got left. mine you do yeah. what? okay i, I want to so see least... how close yours are to mine i'm in a different <laughs> generation than you but i got mine i don't even know if i could th- okay so lisa leslie okay one of the best is she on your list she's on my list Okay. <laughs> Who else is on your list? No, you're supposed to give me your four. I can't think of them off the top of my head. I told you I don't I don't watch WNBA or any of that. It you tell me. It, it can be it can be it can be college. <laughs> okay. Lisa Leslie is my favorite of all time. Okay. That's all you got? That's all I got. All right. I'll tell you who my who who my top female athletes are. Okay. Why don't you tell me that, and I'll give you my four basketballs. Okay. okay. So go ahead. All right. So Lisa Leslie has to be at the top. Um, Serena Williams. Okay. Mia Hamm. All right. Um, I like really like Misty May and Carrie Walsh. Wait, there's only four. It's Mount okay. Rushmore. Okay. Well, so they they count as a team though. Okay. <laughs> All right. 
Lisa Leslie, I'm surprised. Okay. All right. So here's my four. Lisa Leslie, Cheryl Miller, Nancy Lieberman, and Ann Myers. And I got to tell you, I go way back. I'm going to say, like, that's, that might Ann be Myers, before me. Ann Myers was like trying out for the Pacers. That's how good she was. Okay. Okay. Yeah, she that's was cool. that good. So again, this is like a generation gap. I know a lot of people are saying, oh my God, I got to look this up. But, um, and, and the person I kind of have to leave off, I think is Cheryl Swoops. She was just oh. amazing. Yeah. She was She's, just amazing. She was amazing. Yeah. yeah. She was like, you know, Jordan in the NCAA. Right. She was incredible. So, but you, you can only have four, but Cheryl Miller was really, I think one of the best ever. And, you know, I think the unfortunate thing is there were no leagues then. So you finished, you finished college ball and there was nothing else. There were no women's leagues. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know when the European league started. Those have been around a lot longer than like the WNBA, but yeah. 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 I just don't know if it was an option back then. All right. Right. So we're, we're, we're heading for home round and third and heading for home. So this is the part where uh, I call it free speech. I give you the opportunity to talk about any pearls. I know that you've done a lot of things in education. You've brought in a lot of people. I always see you there in the gym with somebody who's an aspiring, you know, physical therapist. They want to go to PT school. They want to be a PT aide, you know, high school students and all the rest. I, I wanted to, I want to know if you had any pearls of wisdom, some positive affirmations for young people who are maybe looking to be like you. Oh boy. Well, you have to be number one. You have to be passionate about what you do. Like, um, and you have to, when you're going into school, I think you have to add up an idea, but then when you really pursue like a grad school career, you you really want to be sure because I've known people that don't like their job. And if you can wake up in the morning and just be so excited that you get to go to work and, and you just have fun and you love what you do, you love treating patients, you, you know, you love to laugh with your coworkers. That's like the best. Um, pearls, if you, so any, really anymore, any school therapy, if OT, PT, speech, it's pretty hard to get into if you don't have a pretty high grade point average. So. While our jobs are very much interactive and have a lot to do with um, connecting with patients and our manual skills and exercise and things like that, you you have to have the very high GPA initially to get accepted because it's so competitive. Um, so I would say the pearl for anybody that's looking to get into a therapy is um, study and get good grades. You were while you were uh, you were at Bowling Green, right? Mm-hmm. Did you always Correct. know you were, were going to do PT while you were no, still athlete? I was pre med and wow. I tore my ACL um, twice, <laughs> so my college career was not great. Um, but that's when I between that and I really didn't care for organic chemistry. Uh. <laughs> Those two things. Uh. <laughs> Those two things. But I was definitely pre med and and switched it up and then ended up going to grad school for physical therapy. Well, as I tell everybody, 
if you want to be a PT and it's too competitive, try med school. It's a little easier to get in. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> no, I, I'm serious. There's more spots. It's not as competitive. It's it's not as much of a a, a pyramid program. Right. But we need we need good people in all things. So, um, all right, we're gonna wind this up. Uh, but I thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I want to have you back one day. Sure. Thanks for having me. And you can ask me some of the tough questions next time. I already know. I'm already thinking of them. <laughs> right. okay. You're already lining them up. Okay. All right, Sarah. Thanks. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Feel free to reach out to us at The Woodshed at my email address, duplechan, that's D-U-P-L-E-C-H-A-N-M-S-K-U-S at gmail.com or visit my YouTube channel at Duplechan Musculoskeletal Ultrasound. Until then, keep burning the midnight lamp. <laughs>